I'm Todd Dills, and for this special edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, the business services consultants with ATBS were kind enough to share audio from ATBS President Todd Amon's annual March 20 conference call for owner-operators, outlining those annual mileage, revenue, and income averages, among other metrics, for segments among its clients. From leased reefer, dry van, and flatbed haulers to own authority independents and specialized haulers. While we've reported the basic details of what the firm releases annually in the recent past, Amon gets into the weeds around some expectations ATBS sees to be positive for owner-operators in trucking for the coming year, including the expectation of many fleets who lease owner-operators and employ drivers of significant per-mile pay hikes in the coming year. Those paid on a percentage of the load will already be benefiting from rate hikes in the spot and contract markets, the latter of which have as yet increased more slowly. Predictions for the coming year, including steadily increasing capacity pressures driving up rates as April 1st arrives and the ELD mandates more thorough enforcement sets in. Insurance companies will increasingly play a role, Amon believes, as ELD violations impact carrier metrics in the CSA program. Todd Amon also believes that net income will grow significantly for owner-operators on average as a result through the year. Temptations to change freight niches as rates continue strong or leasing carriers as sign-on bonuses and pay hikes make news will continue. Todd Amon urges owner-operators to consider the full costs involved in any switch, which can well exceed $10,000. Today, he says, you should be able to make money doing pretty much anything if you're a smart owner-operator. There's a sort of counterintuitive dynamic in an upmarket where owner-operators run less. Amon cautions that good times, of course, don't always last very long. As for the strong freight economy at present, he predicts it will continue strong for at least 18 months. So, take a listen. All right. Good morning, everybody. We thank you for joining the ATBS Independent Contractor Benchmarking Conference Call for independent contractors and drivers. Uh, There's many of you that are customers that are on the line, and I just want to start by thanking you for being an ATBS client. We sure appreciate your business, and I imagine because this... uh, invitation was put out through various media channels as well. There's probably plenty of folks that are not ATBS customers, and uh, we hope you learned something today that can help you in your business to be more successful. We're in probably the most exciting time in trucking that I can remember, and I've been around this business for uh, actively over 30 years, and this is just an incredible time to be a trucker. So uh, my goal today is to just to share a lot of information with you to help you understand how you're performing in your business and kind of give you some direction on where we think the industry is going and what's going to happen over the year coming ahead in 2018 and maybe a little bit after that. And also talk about what happened last year and just kind of help circle the wagons on on your business and what's going on. And um, one thing I'll tell you is if you haven't been on one of our conference calls before, uh, I cover a ton of data and a ton of numbers, and I talk pretty quick. And many of you are probably driving down the road in your truck, which is why we do this in a conference call format rather than a PowerPoint. The good news is you don't need to pull over your truck and waste an hour of your time writing down the numbers. We're going to record this call, and we'll send it out to you afterwards for those of you that registered so that you can go back through it and listen if you missed something or didn't catch something that you wanted to know. So, Again, my name is Todd Amon, uh, President and CEO of ATBS, and we really appreciate you being on this call. So with that, we'll get started. I'm going to take just a few minutes um, and talk about taxes because, as most of you know that are on this call, we had the most sweeping reform of the tax code uh, in about 30 years. 
And we did a webinar uh, early in January analyzing a lot of the changes that happened. But um, for those of you that weren't able to attend that webinar, I'm just going to spend five or 10 minutes talking about some of the highlights that impact you as independent contractors in trucking and some of the ramifications, because it's really important for you to kind of hear those things and, you know, so you can work on tax planning and those kinds of things. So we'll start with some of that uh, tax information. And really, you know, what I want to say to begin with is this is a big deal um, for you individually because it affects your taxes, but it's also a big deal for you and your business because it's going to provide a boost and I believe kind of some long-term uh, good things for trucking in general. It's going to provide a lot of freight for you to move in the coming years. And really the biggest reason is um, it's a it's a tax incentive package. It's incentivizing a lot of large corporations in America to do the things that we've heard about on the news. One, they're going to move manufacturing back on shore, which is going to drive some transportation. Um, it's also spurring a lot of acquisition, probably earlier than a lot of folks thought it would. You hear of multi-billion dollar aircraft purchases and you have a lot of things like that going on. And a lot of the tax incentives that were put in place are just making corporations kind of pull purchases ahead that they may have delayed for a while. In the end, what all that means is that there's going to be more production in America and things moving around and in a good economy that means great things for freight. So, so overall, I want to say I believe the tax in the reform uh, is going to do a lot to spur our economy for you guys to move freight. On an individual basis, from a tax perspective, there's also some big change. And generally, we think it's really good change. For the average owner-operator, we think it's going to save you about $2,000 a year in taxes, which is pretty significant. That's close to 20% of your tax bill. Um, on the bad side, I imagine there's quite a few company drivers on the call as well. Maybe some of you that are thinking about becoming an owner-operator. If you're a company driver that is not operating under a company that pays you in a per diem pay structure, um, you're going to lose money. Unfortunately, the per diem pay was eliminated for company drivers. And I'll talk a little bit more in detail about that because that's a big deal. But we think it could say it could cost the average company driver that's not under a per diem pay structure $600 in additional taxes. Um, you know, the last thing I think that I want to touch on is the depreciation rules, which we'll talk a little bit about, are incentivizing a lot of new truck and used truck acquisitions. So that's going to have an impact on the market as well. First thing I want to talk about is the qualified business income deduction for pass-through entities. This is a big deal and probably the biggest deal in the tax reform for independent contractors and small businesses. The reason that Congress put this uh, deduction in there is all of us heard about, you know, the goal of this tax reform was to move trillions of dollars of offshore money back to the U.S. because all of our American corporations are taxed at the highest rate in the world. And so they lowered that tax rate from 35 percent down to 21 percent. And, you know, when you think about it, all of us who vote, um, the little people in America that own small businesses, we would be pretty upset if they just did that for the large corporations and we didn't get a break ourselves. And so really what they did was set up this qualified business income deduction, which lowers the rate on small businesses in America, too. And in simple terms, and, and, and one thing I'll tell you is we heard a lot before going into this tax reform that they their goal was to simplify the tax code. And what I can tell you is they added over 1,100 pages to the tax code when they drafted all of this. And, and so by no means did they simplify it. And this is one of the most complex things in the new tax code is this qualified business income deduction of 20%. So in simple terms, I'm going to try and just make it sound simple to you. If you are an owner-operator that averages net income of about $60,000 per year, what this essentially does is says you can take an additional deduction, just like an expense, 
of 20% of that net income. So it's going to reduce your net income from $60,000 down to 48,000. So you're going to get taxed only on the 48,000, not the 60,000. There's a lot of details that go in and behind that and figuring out, you know, exactly what that means. But overall, that's really essentially where that $2,000 in tax savings comes from. The good news is there's been a ton of confusion about this and a lot of people that wonder, you know, what does this mean? Do I now need to become an S-Corp? Do I need to incorporate my business? Can I still operate as a sole proprietor? And the good news is, in all likelihood, you don't need to change anything that you're doing from a tax filing perspective. Whatever you were before, if you were a sole proprietor, if you were a partnership, if you were an S-Corp, if you're an LLC, you'll continue to get that deduction or you will get that deduction. You don't need to change your business structure. There may be some tax reasons to change business structure, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But you don't need to worry or freak out that, you know, I got to go get online and figure out how to set up an S-Corp or something like that. Um, you will get that 20% deduction this year in your business. Another big change is depreciation, and depreciation's always been super super complicated in the tax code. There's hundreds of pages dedicated to it. And in the past, what's happened when you bought an asset, whether it was a truck or a trailer, or whether it was anything, you know, a computer, an APU, um, you know, stuff like that, there were depreciation schedules that you had to depreciate that asset over a number of years. The good news is in this new tax code, they implemented something called 100% depreciation. That means you can expense that asset 100% in the year you buy it. So if you go out and buy a new or a used truck this year, let's just say it costs $100,000, you can expense 100% of that truck this year, which is a big deal. It's going to you know, reduce or eliminate uh, your requirement to pay taxes for a year or two. If it puts you in a loss position, you can carry that loss forward into, you know, multiple years. And so that's a good deal. Um, it lasts all the way until 2022. So we've got five years that you get to take that 100% depreciation. Um, and, and that's what I touched on earlier that's spurring a lot of large corporations to make acquisitions that are ultimately, you know, going to drive our economy forward and produce a lot of manufacturing. Um, I'm going to talk about the standard deduction for just a minute. Uh, this is the deduction we all get to take on our tax return. Um, it's just called standard for a reason because it's the same deduction we all get to take. If you itemize because you have a lot of deductions on a Schedule A like home mortgage interest and medical expenses and a lot of things like that and a company driver per diem in the past, um, you didn't really use the standard deduction because you were over it. What the government really did was tried to look at it, the average American and say, you know, rather than everybody keep track of all this paperwork and, you know, cheat on things and, you know, overstate what they're deducting so that they can itemize, let's just get that standard deduction high enough so that it will capture most Americans and that's all they have to worry about. So they took the standard deduction for someone that's married filing a joint return from roughly $12,000 and they doubled it to $24,000. That's a big deal. That means most Americans don't any longer have to worry about their home mortgage interest deduction or a lot of those itemized things you used to have to keep track of. If I'm uh, single, they took that standard deduction from $6,000 to $12,000. They doubled it. So um, that's a big deal. And, and really, it's a big deal because they tweaked a lot of the deductions and exemptions that you got before that were related to that, like they eliminated moving expenses. Uh, you heard a lot about the state and local property taxes that you pay on your house and your cars and those things not being deductible or limits being put on those. And there's been a lot of changes. The good news is 95% of you don't need to worry about that. Really, it's the high earners that have multi-million dollar houses and big mortgages and things like that that you know are going to be affected. Most of us are now going to fall under that $24,000 standard deduction. Um, there's a couple places that you are impacted as, as a truck driver. 
Um, this is where the per diem was eliminated. Essentially what it says is unreimbursed employee expenses um, you can no longer deduct as an individual. And so that's really what per diem is. If I'm an employee driver working for a company, they reimburse me for my meals on the road. That's okay. That's still deductible by the company and they still don't have to tax me as a person. But if they don't pay me per diem, what used to happen as an employee is I used to itemize that twelve to $15,000 per diem deduction on my Schedule A. And I no longer can do that. They eliminated that. The good news is for all the owner-operators on the line, that per diem deduction is still a business expense. And so you still get to deduct that on your Schedule C. So if you're an owner-operator, don't worry about hearing per diem going away. It's a big topic of discussion on the radio and chat rooms and a lot of different places. As an owner-operator, you'll still get your per diem deduction, which is a great thing. Um, the last thing is they eliminated uh, tax preparation fees. No longer as an employee can I deduct my tax prep fees if I use TurboTax or I go with an H&R Block or something like that. The good news is, again, for an independent contractor, that's a necessary and ordinary business expense, especially those of you that are on the line that use ATBS. When we do your accounting and your bookkeeping and your taxes, that's a necessary and ordinary business expense. So that's still deductible on your Schedule C. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to talk about the Affordable Care Act real briefly. For those of you that have not had health insurance the last couple of years, you've had a penalty on your tax return. And that penalty can be anywhere from $600 to a couple thousand dollars, depending on your income and your family size and those kinds of things. So you've heard in the news that, you know, Trump was a sneaky guy and found the back door to eliminate Obamacare. And you don't often hear the details behind that. And I really don't know the details. I don't truly know if in the end this eliminates Obamacare. But what I do know is they took away the penalty for not having Affordable Care Act compliant insurance. The bad news is you don't hear the details. And that penalty does not go away until January 1st of 2019. So if you're in the middle of filing your 2017 tax return for last year and you did not have compliant health insurance, you will pay that penalty on your tax return now that you file this year, in addition to 2018, that's still in place. And so you'll have a penalty when you file uh, for 2018 next April as well, unfortunately. But after 2019, you don't have to worry about having Affordable Care Act health insurance in place anymore. I'm going to touch briefly on tax rates and tax brackets. The good news is pretty much across the board, tax rates went down for various brackets. And so if you're single and the average owner-operator, again, if you're making $60,000, uh, the first $38,000 of that income is taxed, and it went down from a tax rate of 15% to 12%, so it was lowered by 3%. Um, that that money that you make over $38,000 up to $60,000, tax rate on that money went from 25% down to 22%. So again, as a general rule, your tax rate went down by about 3%, which is really good. We find the effective tax rate for most owner-operators just from an income tax perspective, not the self-employment tax, but just an income tax perspective, the effective rate's around you know, 15%, and that went down by about 3% to 12%, so that's good news. Um, so... Just a couple things to kind of wrap up the tax section. Uh, the good news is if you're a company driver because those effective tax rates went down and the IRS doesn't really consider per diem because that's kind of something you do at the end of the year, um, your withholdings have gone down. So you should see a larger paycheck starting in February as they change those withholding tables. Same thing for an independent contractor. Your estimated taxes are going to be slightly lower because of you know, the things that we've talked about, the qualified business income and effective tax rates going down. We have actually spent about the last 45 days at ATBS completely reprogramming our estimated tax uh, so that we can be more accurate in our taxes because they've gone down. And um, I saw a pile of about 20,000 
uh, estimated tax payments that are going out uh, literally in the next couple of days, you should be getting them from ATBS so you can make your first quarter payments. So I'm going to give you some numbers on, you know, bottom line, what does this mean? We went through and we created a table that compares company drivers and owner operators from 2017 to 2018. So the average company driver in 2017, you would have paid about $7,000 per year in taxes. In 2018, if you don't have per diem pay as part of your pay structure, you're going to pay $7,700. So that's where we get that your income taxes going up as a company driver, about $600. Good news is for an owner-operator in 2017, if I'm a sole proprietor just filing a Schedule C, I don't have a business structure, C-Corp, or anything set up. In 2017, I would have paid an average of about $11,500 in taxes. In 2018, I'm going to pay about $9,300 in taxes. So that's where we get that roughly $2,000 that we estimate your taxes are going to go down this year. If I'm an S-Corp, um, and, and this is interesting, and it's something that we won't go into depth because of the time of the call, but the average S-Corp is going to go from paying $7,700 in 2017 down to $6,700 in 2018, so it's going to be reduced by about a thousand dollars. But when you heard that number in 2018, 6,700 dollars—that's the lowest effective tax rate um, or tax amount that we have for all of our independent contractors. And I'll just leave you with one thing to think about from a tax perspective: if you make over sixty thousand dollars a year, you know, based on all the numbers today, um, we got to consider all your personal circumstance. But the most effective uh, tax structure is to be set up as an S-Corp and pay yourself as an employee of that S-Corp. You can save some money on self-employment taxes that can reduce your tax income or, or your tax burden greatly. So, um, you know, with that, I'll just wrap up by saying there's a lot of change. Um, it's big change. You know, there's not stuff necessarily that you have to do immediately, but if you do want to become an S-Corp, the earlier in the year that you do that, you take advantage of those gains. Like it doesn't make sense to do that in the third and the fourth quarter. Now's the time to do that if you want to do it. Um, but the average owner-operator is going to save about 2000 on taxes and the average company driver uh, taxes may go up $600. So, I'll wrap up by saying, you know, we've educated our staff over the last two or three months on the tax reform. We've read the code. We've analyzed it. Uh, if you have questions, you want to talk about your individual, you know, personal tax situation, give us a call. Uh, phone number is 888-640-4829. We've also come out with a really great ebook. It's about 18 pages long, and it details, you know, a lot more of the stuff I just talked about. It goes through specific scenarios, and you can go to our website at atbs.com and download that ebook if you want to know, where, know more about taxes. So, again, I apologize to those of you that were on our webinar, webinar earlier in the year or a conference call about taxes. But I think it's important because we're all learning and uh, the tax code has changed. And so we just want to be as on track as we can. So with that, I'm going to shift into our benchmark numbers and talk about, uh, you know, operating numbers for last year and, and what's going on. So we did a webinar last week and we had a few hundred fleets on that webinar. Um, in the end, when you tally up the number of owner operators represented that drive for those fleets, there were over 100,000 independent contractors represented on the fleets that were on the webinar. And one of the things that we do on that webinar, we talk about the same data we're going to go over with you today, but we ask some poll questions. It's interactive because it's webinar-based, and so we ask some poll questions. I'm going to give you the results of those poll questions because they're really interesting, and they kind of tell us what the market's thinking. So our first question was, do you plan to add to your independent contractor fleet this year of all those fleets that are running independent contractors? And um, so I'll just read you the numbers. Uh, there were 9% of the fleets that answered that question that said they don't plan to add any owner operators to their fleet this year. Zero to 5% was 20% of those fleets expect to grow zero to 5%. 
um, five to 10% of those fleets, I'm sorry, if they expected to grow their fleet by five to 10%, that was 35% of the fleets. How many expected to grow their uh, owner operator base 10% to 20%? That was 26% of the fleets and more than 20% growth in owner operators were 11% of the fleets. So sorry, there's a lot of percentages in there. And what I'll kind of wrap up by saying is that fleets expect to grow their owner operator count this year um, because it's a robust market and they want more capacity out there running because there's plenty of freight to haul. So I'm going to touch on just kind of high level real briefly, you know, what do we see in the overall economy for trucking? And I started off the webinar by saying, hopefully you're experiencing a good first quarter. Typically the first quarter is slow and it's, you know, January and February, kind of tough months. And then things pick up a bit in March. I can tell you, you know, we haven't missed a blip. It's been an incredible, we, we really started seeing robust freight at the end of last year after the hurricanes and, and we really haven't slowed down. Um, we monitor a couple of things really closely. One is uh, the truckstop.com load board, and they have what they call a market demand index. And essentially, it's a ratio of how many trucks go out to the internet every day on truckstop.com to look for loads and how many loads are posted. That ratio, as of this week, it comes out every Monday, that ratio was over 50. And essentially, what that means is for every one truck out on the internet at truckstop.com looking for a load, there are over 50 loads available. Our, in our opinion, over the last 10 years as we've watched that index, when we're above a ratio of 12 to 1, that means things are good for truckers. When we're below 12 to 1, like we were in the recession years, things are bad for truckers. So at 50 to 1, we're four times the break-even amount, which is an indication that things are incredible and the, the market is really good for truckers. We also monitor the DAT rates. And... Uh, you know, I can tell you that if you look back to March of last year and you kind of look at the rates, the average drive-in rate in the spot market was around $1.66. The flatbed rate was around $2. The refrigerator rate was in the $1.85 range. Those rates have gone up from 20 to 40% over the last nine months of the, as the market has picked up. You know, we've seen rates as high as $2.30 in the van market, $2.50 in the flatbed market, and the reefer market we've gotten as high as $2.70. So I know a lot of you that are leased onto fleets don't experience that, you know, real time because those are spot market rates and the load that day is paying that. But as we monitor that, that means ultimately that it's really good, you know, for trucking in general. Rates are going up significantly. So we'll get into some of the ATBS specific uh, numbers here. I want to start off because we always like to hold ourselves accountable. We try and make predictions, you know, in the coming year. And so at this time last year when we did this call, if you're on the call, we made four predictions. The first one we talked about was remaining ELDs uh, will be implemented at the end of 2017. And we weren't quite sure what impact that was going to have. And, you know, it's hard to believe we sit here today because the ELD mandate is here and it's in place. And, you know, April 1st, uh, people start getting tickets and putting out, put out a service for that. But this time last year, we really weren't sure. There were still a lot of lawsuits and things like that. And we weren't positive if the ELD mandate was going to be put in place. Um, we expected it to be, and it has, and it's here. And I'll talk more about that. So we got that prediction right on um, that it was going to come. The net income will be flat. Um, to up as the market improves in the second half of 2017. So we really expected 2017 to be kind of a flat year without a lot of excitement. And then we expected things would pick up at the end of the year. And that's really exactly what happened. As I talk about the numbers, you know, we'll talk more in detail about that. But it was kind of a struggling year. 2016, 2017 were struggling years. And then things finally got good at the end of last year. Uh, the third, third thing we talked about was fragmented capacity. And we said that under the ELD mandate, you know, there's going to be a lot of drivers and owner operators and small fleets that are going to, you know, kind of not know what to do because all of a sudden their ability to, 
you know, run 130,000 miles a year is taken away from them. And what's that mean? And we thought some of them would consolidate. They'd try and find a safer place to drive. Someone that's already figured out this ELD thing. And we did see some of that. And we also saw some mega mergers with some fleets that got together. So um, definitely there was some uh, consolidation of capacity last year. The last thing we predicted was that net rates would increase slightly through 2017, but by mid-2018, they'd be up over 10%. And, you know, I, I say that we got that right, but we also missed it a little bit because it started earlier than we expected. And it's also gone higher than we expected. It's, you know, it's significantly more than 10 percent in, in some uh, scenarios. So um, I'm going to get into some specific numbers now and talk to you about uh, miles. The average owner operator last year, miles were pretty much flat. Average owner operator ran about 110,000 miles. And I'm going to give you some numbers depending on what segment you drive. I'm going to break it down by independents, which are kind of one truck drivers that, you know, own their own truck and trailer and they run under their own authority. Then I'm going to break it down by dry reefer and flat. And those are drivers that drive under a motor carrier, but in those specific segments. So the independents last year ran 100,000 miles. The average drive-in driver running for a fleet, uh, leased on as an independent contractor, ran 115,000 miles. The average refrigerated driver ran 123,000 miles. And the average flatbed driver ran 91,000 miles. And as I talk about miles, one thing I always like to keep in perspective is just kind of looking back historically. We've tracked this data for over 15 years. And the average owner-operator, believe it or not, um, some of you that are older on the line can remember these days, back in 2003, 2004, the average owner-operator was running 139,000 miles a year. I think about that today, and that's just almost crazy to me because it's you had to run illegally. You can't physically log that. And there was just a lot of folks that ran around tired. They were gone away from their home five weeks at a time and, you know, just putting in the most they could, six or 700 miles a day. Um, the good news is, you know, with the industry changes and more regional, regionalization of freight and all those kinds of things, the average owner operator today is running 110,000 miles. One thing that we see that I, you know, want to talk to you about that I think is super important is we've seen through, you know, two recessions now, at least in the early 2000s and the Great Recession, um, we see miles go up because people need to make more money. And then when things get better, when freight picks up and rates pick up, we actually see independent contractors run less miles. And we started to see that in the fourth quarter of last year. And we expect on average this year, owner operators are going to run less miles. That's really counterintuitive because when there's more freight than anybody can possibly haul, the market's great, rates are up. The sense would be that everybody would be out there driving as many miles as they could to make as much money as they can. But what I think we actually see and hear from our clients is, you know, we've been running hard because we were in a recession. We had to run more miles to make enough money. And now that things are going up and better and rates are higher, we want to slow down a little bit. We actually want to take a Saturday off and be home and, you know, relax and enjoy or maybe watch our kids football game or something like that. And I can't disagree with that philosophy at all. Everybody deserves a rest and some time off. But the one thing I do know is these boom freight times don't last forever. And I think back to 2014 and we saw miles go down. And I think everybody was hoping for an extended good period in trucking. And it like came and went in a year quicker than we could blink our eyes. And all of a sudden we got into 2015 and things slowed down again. So um, one thing to think about, and I'm not here to tell you how to run your business, but things are good. And if you have the opportunity to make some extra money during this year and maybe into next year, it's a good time to run the miles and, you know, maybe save up money for a down payment on a newer truck or put some money in the bank for the rainy day because we all know the slow times will come. So, again, I'm not preaching to you. I just want to help you understand the market. The market's great right now, and you have the opportunity to run all the miles you possibly can log. 
Um, I'm going to talk about revenue per mile for a minute. Uh, that's really important, how much you get paid. The average owner-operator made $1.35. Again, that's average of all of our owner-operators last year. The independents made $1.46. The dry get, the ones leased to a dry van made $1.29. Refrigerated were $1.23, and the flatbed were $1.72. So again, some for you to benchmark yourself you know, based on what you're making. The good news is that was up $0.07 cents a mile last year. The average owner-operator at $1.35 was up $0.07 cents a mile. But a big chunk of that was we saw an increase in fuel. You know, it wasn't a drastic increase. It was kind of incremental, you know, week over week. But, you know, we went from two and a quarter in fuel all the way up to three bucks in fuel. And so a big chunk of that compensates for uh, the fuel surcharge as it went up. And I'll kind of offset that with fuel costs in a few slides as I talk about that. So I'm going to give you some ranges just so you have an idea, you know, based on the industry that you're in. If you're running dry van lease to a fleet, on the low end, we saw people making a buck twenty-one per mile. On the high end, we saw people making dollar seventy-five, a dollar eighty. Um, you know, I talked about the middle range in there at around a dollar thirty-five to a dollar forty. If you're in the flatbed business, on the low end, we saw drivers making a dollar forty-eight. On the high end, we see people making all the way up over two dollars a mile. In the refrigerated business, on the low end, we see you know a mid dollar twenty-five. On the high end, we see people making over $2 a mile. And then specialized, which can be anything from tank hauler to double drop deck to, you know, even some port guys and things like that. There's a big range. We see on the low end, you know, $1.35. On the high end, we get all the way over to $1.50 per mile. Um, so I'm going to touch on another poll question that we asked the fleets last year. With the market going up, you would expect there'd be some rate increases, you know, in the contract rates paid to drivers. And so we asked the question, do you plan to increase rates paid to your ICs this year? And last year, I can tell you, when we said no rate increase, it was over half the fleet said no rate increase. If we look all the way back to 2016, when things were really tough, three quarters of the fleet said no rate increase. Uh, this year, only 30% of the fleets, when we asked that question, said no rate increase. And you got to think about those fleets. There might have been a chunk of those fleets that are on percentage pay. And so they're not going to increase the percentage. But as rates go up, the percentage rate that you get, um, you know, goes up automatically, too. So. Uh, the people that are gonna, the fleets that are gonna raise pay from zero to two percent, were 32 percent of the fleets. The fleets that were gonna increase their rates from three percent to five percent, were 23 percent of the fleets. And those that were gonna increase rates by more than five percent, were 15 percent of the fleets. So generally, there's rate increases coming, and there's already been, you know, rate increases implemented at a lot of fleets the last half of last year, fourth quarter, first quarter of this year. So the good news is, as the market rises. You know, as they say, a rising tide rises all boats. Those rates are going to get passed on to uh, those of those folks that are on the line. Um, so when we look at gross revenue, the average owner-operator last year made $150,000. If I was an independent, uh, the average independent made $146,000. The average drive-in guy made $148,000. The average reefer made $151,000. The average flatbed driver made $157,000 last year. So I'm going to talk about fuel for a minute. Um, you know, when fuel's down in the $2 range, it doesn't seem like anybody cares about it. When it gets up over 3 bucks, we start paying attention a little bit more and start driving more conservatively and those kinds of things. The average owner-operator's fuel costs went up $0.05 cents, uh, per mile last year to $0.40 cents a mile. And if we look at the different segments, um, the average independent spent $0.41 cents a mile on fuel. The average drive-in guy spent $0.39 cents a mile on fuel. The average reefer driver spent 41 cents and the average flatbed spent 45 cents a mile. 
and you know there's a broad range uh 10 cents a mile the only thing i the only thing i can say is only you can judge you know what's important to you whether to drive you know faster and get to the next load quicker so you can haul more freight or whether to conserve on fuel and drive 58 or 60 miles an hour it's an indiv individual decision that you can make but bottom line it impacts you by thousands of dollars per year um, so I'm going to weigh the average revenue per mile that it went up last year versus the average cost of fuel. So the average revenue we already talked about went up seven cents a mile. The average fuel went up five cents a mile. That tells me last year there was a net good of rate increases to drivers of two cents a mile. If I put that in gross dollar terms, the average revenue increase was up $6,700 last year over the year before, but the average fuel costs were only up $5,400. So we saw a net good of about $1,300, which fell to the bottom line of the drivers. Um, revenue went up versus fuel costs going up. Um, just, you know, again, some benchmark numbers to give you. If you're getting a fuel surcharge, whether you're getting broker loads or whether you're leased onto a fleet, um, we monitor 51 fleets every week to understand what their fuel surcharge is. Uh, the week of February 5th, so a little over a month ago, the average fuel surcharge of all those fleets was 31.4 cents per mile. Fuel hasn't adjusted a ton since then. So, you know, if you're somewhere between 30 to 32 cents a mile for a fuel surcharge right now, you're doing all right. Um, I'm going to give you some mile per gallon estimates so you can benchmark yourself. A lot of you have got, you know, vehicles that will tell you exactly what you're getting while you're driving down the road right now, and these are good numbers to benchmark against. Our average independent driver last year got 6.51 miles per gallon. Our average drive-in person got 6.82 miles per gallon, so a bit higher. Typically, those drive-ins are more aerodynamic and lighter weight, and so they get the highest miles per gallon. The average refrigerated driver, which probably has grossed out loads, you know, that weigh a little bit more, they got 6.49 miles per gallon. The average flatbed, they're the lowest, of course, because they have non-aerodynamic loads and oftentimes heavier. They got 5.92 miles per gallon. So overall, the average driver was getting 6.61. I know those of you that have invested in new equipment and are really concerned and care about fuel economy, you know, we have plenty of clients that are getting well over eight and a half miles per gallon today. And that's a big deal. The difference between, you know, six miles per gallon and eight miles per gallon uh, can be as much as fifteen to $20,000 a year. So fuel's a big deal. It always has been. When it gets over three bucks, you know, per gallon, there's something to think about how you manage your fuel costs. I'm going to talk about truck payments and, uh, you know, what you're paying for your truck. This might be a year that a lot of you consider, you know, upgrading your truck. If you've had it for a long time, if it's old, if it's got a lot of miles, if you have a lot of maintenance expenses, it's a good time with the new depreciation rules and those kinds of things. So on average, you know, 10 years ago, we used to see the average driver spending around $1,750 a month for their truck. Uh, that's gone up significantly over the last 10 years. We've had four EPA mandates uh, where they've got to increase the, you know, pollution or, or reduce the pollution emitted by those trucks. 2008, 2010, 2014, and 2017 were those EPA mandates. And we saw a spike in truck prices, you know, every time. A, a good new truck 15 years ago cost $80,000. A good new truck today costs $150,000. So we've seen those truck payments average for our clients climb from $1,750 10 years ago to the average client today is paying about $2,300 for their truck. And if you look at a range, you know, depending on what industry you're in, we still see trucks as low as $1,600 a month, but we see trucks over $3,000 a month today. You know, it all boils down to if I've got a newer truck that's going to cost me three grand a month or a brand new truck that's expensive and decked out, you know, I better be getting nine miles per gallon. I better be spending five cents a mile on maintenance. If I've got one of those older trucks. I might be paying, 
you know, if I've got a $1,500 a month truck payment, I might be paying 15 cents a mile in maintenance and I might be getting six miles per gallon. So in the end, you know, that's a lot of what we do at ATBS is help you figure out all those scenarios and, and figure out, you know, what I'm going to make the most money with when I consider my asset. Um, some benchmarks on maintenance, you know, years ago before all these EPA compliant emission engines, uh, we used to see drivers spend somewhere in the range of six to seven cents a mile in maintenance for their truck. That's climbed pretty significantly in the last 10 years as we have more complicated, uh, more expensive trucks to maintain. So the good news is that's really leveled off in the last four or five years. And the average driver today is spending about 10 cents a mile on maintenance. And that's for the four or five year old truck, you know, that's got six, 700,000 miles on it. If you're setting aside 10 cents a mile, you should, you know, do okay taking care of your maintenance on your truck. So I'm going to get to net income, you know, the bottom line, what really matters to all of us on the, on the phone, how much money did we make last year? And, you know, at, in 2014, we had a great year. We uh, crested $60,000 for our operators for the first time in history. And then 2015 turned into a difficult year and 16 and 17 followed that. And we saw net income go backwards, not drastically. We got down to about $58,000. But the good news is we crested that $60,000 number mark again in uh, 2017. Owner-operator net income averaged $60,182. And again, I'll give you the industry specific. So if I was an independent last year, I averaged $59,500. If I was in the dry-van business, I averaged $61,400. If I was in the refrigerated business, last year was a tough year. Um, my average net income was $49,200. Flatbed had a really good year last year. Their net income was way up. They averaged $70,400. And so for those of you on the call, when you hear those numbers, you know, if I'm a reefer driver and I hear that I made close to 50 grand last year and the flatbed guys made 70 grand, you know, I'm thinking, man, maybe I should go get in that flatbed business. And, you know, maybe there is an opportunity for you. But what you got to think about is everything's cyclical and everything changes. Last year, the flatbedders did good because we were coming out of a freight recession and, you know, housing was taking off and construction was starting in a lot of areas and manufacturing. And, and so they kind of pre-lead the rest of us. And so things are getting a lot better these days for drive-in and, you know, refrigerated. So it's kind of hard to predict. If you wanted to be in the flatbed business, maybe two years ago was the time to get in the flatbed business so you could take advantage of it last year. So I guess the one thing I want to say is we're in a market where um, a lot of people are looking and hearing from their friend, you know, I'm doing great. I'm doing this. I'm getting three bucks a mile. And, you know, it causes a lot of itchy feet. Like, you know, maybe I should go do something else other than what I'm doing. And And the only thing I want to say is, you know, trust yourself and trust what you know, because if you've been successful in the past, you're odds of being successful in the future are good and sticking with what you know is good. When you, when you change, you know, you have to start all, all over and learn different things. And so again, before you, you know, see those huge sign on bonuses, you know, I'm going to get $15,000 to go sign on and do this with this fleet, you know, really think about the opportunity cost and all the things that go into that um, because we're in a good market today. You should be able to make good money doing about anything in trucking if you're a smart owner operator. So Again, I just caution you because a lot of drivers like to change when they see a great market. And that change takes time and takes delay and costs money. Um, so I'll give you some ranges for net income. If I'm in the drive-in business last year, you know, the bottom guys were averaging $40,000, $45,000 in net income. The top end guys were close to $85,000. If I'm in the flatbed business last year on the bottom end, I was around $50,000. On the top end, I was, you know, over $85,000. If I'm in the refrigerated business last year, the low end was, you know, low 40s, $43,000. The high end was high 60s, $66,000, $67,000. If I was in specialized business, 
which typically takes more money and specialized equipment. On the low end, I was averaging $60,000. On the high end, you know, we saw guys into six figures making over $100,000 a year. Um, I'm going to talk about cash advances just for a minute. Those of you that are leased onto a fleet, um, cash advances for me are a difficult thing. They're necessary because a lot of times you don't have money and you got to pay tolls or scales and, you know, stuff like that. But cash advances for me are a little bit like a cancer. I get addicted to them once I start taking them. And so the average driver that is successful, we see taking over under $100 per week in cash advances. I really think it's important for you to live on your own money because what most drivers don't realize is when they take that cash advance, it comes out of next week's paycheck. And when I don't get a, you know, if I take a $400 advance this week because, you know, I feel like I need the money and then I go blow it, you know, on truck stop, have a steak dinner and go to the casino and spend a hundred dollars gambling. Or, you know, I see some nice chrome lug nuts that I want to buy. You know, when I've got that cash, it's easy for me to spend it. If I don't have it, it's not. But if I take that $400 advance this week, that's going to come off my net pay next week. And I feel like I'm not making any money. So it's kind of a, you know, bad addiction. And, and I like to see people wean themselves off of those advances and use their own money. So just a little bit of, you know, caution word, uh, over $100 a week in cash advance. I typically feel like you're taking too much in cash advances and it's going to cut into your paycheck. So one of my last slides on numbers, um, I like to compare kind of what I call the owner-operator, you know, work versus pay benefit and, and kind of just think about it as a job and is it a good job or a bad job and are things getting better or are they getting worse? So I've already talked about these numbers a little bit, but if I go back 10, 15 years, the average owner-operator was running 139,000 miles. We already said that. Today, they're running 110,000 miles. So the average owner-operator's miles they've run, which is really considered work, has gone down by 20%. And I'm not here to tell you or say that you're not still working really hard. I'm just saying the quality of life's gotten a bit better. You get home a little bit more often and you're running less miles per day. So the work's gone down by 20%, but the pay has gone from $47,600 up to $60,000. So there's been a 27% increase in net income. When I put those things in perspective over the last 15 years, I imagine it doesn't feel like you know, on the call to you guys that you're doing a ton better than you were 15 years ago. But overall, to work 20% less and make 27% more is good economics. You know, if you were in a industry where the opposite was happening, you would all be out of it by now. You would have gone and found something else to do. So when I tie the owner-operator population kind of to those numbers, you know, it's ebbed and flowed. We had 238,000 owner-operators 15 years ago. We grew that significantly during the good times of the early 2000s, and then the Great Recession came, and we lost 25% of the population. It just evaporated. The good news is over the last five or six years, we've built a really stable owner-operator base. When freight was slow during 2015, 16, and 17, we literally lost no owner-operators. The population stayed flat. So, you know, the guys that have gotten in business in the last few years have staying power. They put money down on trucks. You know, it's a more serious deal, and, and they've been able to weather kind of those tough freight cycles. Um, so one more poll question, and this was really important to us because we all read and heard, you know, there was an attack really on the owner-operator model during the last eight years, especially during the Obama years. The government started attacking it in a lot of ways and auditing companies and, and you know, doing a lot of things. And people really kind of lost optimism, like, does it really make sense to have owner-operators and do I really want to be an owner-operator? So we surveyed last year, we asked um the fleets that were on our webinar, how many of you are optimistic about the owner-operator model? And 3% of the fleets we asked said not optimistic at all. 16% uh, said not very optimistic. 68% said they were somewhat optimistic. And 12% said that they were very optimistic. So, you know, it was kind of middle of the road. 
when we asked that question this year, 35% of the fleets on the call said they were very optimistic and 52% said that they were somewhat optimistic. So, you know, close to 90% were um, pretty positive on the owner operator model. So what that tells me is they like you. Those of you on the phone, um, they want owner operators. They want you driving for them. They want you hauling the great freight that's out there. And so, you know, we actually saw kind of a moratorium where some fleets in the last couple of years were afraid of class action lawsuits and those kinds of things. And, and they really weren't sure if they wanted owner operators. Today, it feels like our industry is super bullish and really wants owner operators. So that's good news for you. Um, I want to talk to you just a little bit, especially if you're a company driver on the phone thinking about becoming an owner operator, but also just an owner operator about kind of the outlook. You know, I don't think there's ever been a better time when you tie all the things together. Um, to be an owner operator, there's a huge inventory of really quality used trucks out there. Used trucks came down 20 to 25% over the last couple of years. There's an oversupply of them. You know, they've increased a little bit, a few percentage points in the last six months, but there's still a huge amount of good used trucks out there for a really good value. So, you know, with the depreciation rules, being able to expense that truck 100% this year, maybe it's a good time to upgrade your truck if you feel confident in your business and you feel like you want a new truck or a new used truck. Um, it's a good time to go do that. One thing I forgot to mention on the depreciation is that 100% depreciation, um, a lot of those rules used to only apply to new trucks. The good news about the 100% new tax law depreciation is that applies to new and used trucks. So if you go out there and you know buy a really nice $60,000 used truck that's high quality, you can depreciate that truck 100% this year. Uh, we have the most robust freight market I've ever seen. And so there's plenty of freight no matter what segment you're in. Uh, there's a lot of freight out there to haul, which is great. We have a lot of money that wants to finance trucks and owner operators. There's, you know, still a lot of money in the world that wants to invest and earn a return. And so there's, you know, it's not as easy as it used to be. It's not the fog, the mirror test and getting a truck. You have to be a legitimate person that wants to be in business and you probably need to put some money down on a truck. But if you can do those things, you know, there's people willing to finance you. And a lot of those government attacks have subsided. And, and so the good news about that is I just think there's a lot of things lined up to help you become a really successful or continue being a really successful owner operator this year. So I'm going to wrap up with our predictions for the year. Um, the first thing is I'm going to talk about the ELD. It's been big news during the last six months. We all know it's here. It was implemented December 17th, but really it was kind of delayed because the true enforcement doesn't come until April 1st. So the ELD is here. It's here to stay, whether you have got one in all likelihood you do, whether you're compliant or not, you know, maybe you still feel like you're getting away with not being compliant because I actually don't get put out of service till April 1st. We are going to see compliance. What's going to happen after April 1st is those that are getting put out of service, those that are having their CSA score impacted, the insurance companies are going to stop writing insurance on people that are not CSA compliant, and they're even going to start checking ELDs. And so really what that's going to mean is we're going to reduce capacity. All those guys that have been, you know, faking it on their logs and running 130,000 miles for the last number of years, that's going to stop as we get further into this year. And maybe that's painful for you if you've been one of those people. But in the end, that's one of the big reasons that our rates have gone up 20, 30, 40% over the last few months. And one of the reasons they're going to continue to go up. And and so even though it might be painfully painful for you individually, ultimately it means good thing for good things for us as an industry. There's less capacity to haul freight, which means rates are going to go up. 
Um, we believe net income is going to grow significantly this year. We're just in a really robust freight market. We're not going to create a bunch of capacity. The best news about trucking at the moment is um, you hear about the driver shortage, which is tough for trucking, but in the end, it's good for all of you on, on the line. If we can't go create like we did in 2014, we created a bunch of new capacity really quick. And that's why 2014 was only one robust year and things slowed down after that because we created too much truck capacity. I don't see us creating that truck capacity in the near term simply because when we were in 2014, we had been through the Great Recession and we had an 8% plus unemployment rate. So there were a lot of people that had been displaced out of long-term careers that all of a sudden weren't earning money and they needed to find something to do. They would love to drive a truck and make 50, 60 grand a year. And so we could create a lot of capacity. Today we're at 4% unemployment. And pretty much anybody that wants a job, you know, making $50,000 a year today can find it. And so there's not a lot of folks that are stepping up to be truck drivers. So that kind of puts a lid on that capacity. Um, so things are going to get good and they're going to stay good for a while. Um, the grass is greener mentality, you know, seeps into every one of us when things are good. We start hearing our buddy, I've already talked about it, you know, in the truck stop saying they're making 230, 250 a mile. And we start thinking, you know, the grass is greener. Maybe I should go do something else. Maybe I should get in a different segment. As I said, freight is robust everywhere and you know we have calculations at atbs where we believe it costs you between 12 to fifteen thousand dollars to stop what you're doing today and go do something different because you got downtime you might have to get a new trailer you got to de-identify your truck you gotta there's a lot of stuff you got to do and you have downtime you still got fixed costs you got to pay for so be prepared if you're going to make one of those changes you know make sure it's for the long term don't just do it to take advantage of a hot market for the next six months it's a little bit like the folks that ran went and ran the oil fields you know six seven eight years ago sure they made a hundred grand a year which was really nice you know maybe during the time they did it for a year or two but ultimately those jobs evaporated and disappeared and and so again you can chase freight you can chase you know rate the rest of your life a lot of times you may you do real well in the good times and then you go broke in the bus times um, it makes more sense just to have a good long-term business plan that you're going to make money for for the long term and the last thing I want to say is I, I believe the good market's here to stay for a while. It's good for at least 18 months because we can't grow capacity. Um, it's probably going to be good, I think, at least until mid-2019. So, you know, I think I'll leave you with, um, again, number one, just saying thank you again. If you're an ATBS client, we appreciate you being on the call. Hopefully we've given you some useful information to benchmark your business against. You know, we have these numbers every day at ATBS. We can benchmark you if you need help and you want to understand how to operate better. Give us a call. One of your our business consultants can talk to you and help you out at ATBS. Again, it's 888-640-4829. And uh, I just want to leave you with the fact that we are in a great market. This is the best time literally in trucking in 30 years. So if you're not having success, you need to figure out how to get success and take advantage. You know, the next year and a half is going to be a great time to be a trucker. So uh, God bless you all. Run hard, drive safe, and uh, thanks again for all that you do out there.